0: God put that set together exactly the way it needed to be. And there was a shift from the third song to the fourth song. Did you, fit, did you feel it? Did you sense it? It was like, bam! He took the first three songs to begin to focus you into truth. And that fourth song is a song of confession. And you know what the word confession means? It means to agree with what God says about you. So that whole fourth song was about you confessing what he believes about you. You are free. You are filled with joy. And we don't reach out here and pull it down. We go here and we go, yay God. It's right here in our our soul and spirit, in our heart, as the Bible calls it, right here in our abdomen. And it comes up like from a deep well and it explodes on the scene. That's what that fourth song did. It exploded on the scene. And I wrote some things down. I hope you did too. So, question. Can God put Humpty Dumpty back together again? Absolutely. And when you have a Humpty Dumpty moment and you feel like you're broken and shattered, God can go, I got this. And he does say, I got this. And I am more than willing to put you back together again. just rest in me. You talk Humpty Dumpty to a 21-year-old, they probably won't know exactly what you're talking about because they haven't had enough life experience yet. But it's true. I mean, I wasn't thinking about Humpty Dumpty when I came here tonight. He just said, ask them if I can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Hmm. (laughs) It is. In the deepest, darkest moments of our life, And we go, I don't know if I can go on. He's going, good, I got this. I'm putting you back together again. That first song about rebel hearts. The law turns us into rebels. Legalism turns us into rebels. And yet, that doesn't deter him. He's always chasing our heart. Right? Right? Always chasing our heart. But He chases from the inside out. The Holy Spirit's not hovering over you going, take a breath so I can do something. He's down here going, I got this. Just relax. Are you beginning to sense what He wants to say to you tonight? What's He saying to you tonight? I got this. I got you you can't get away no matter what even if your heart is a rebel heart I still got you yeah I got you and in that second song he put his love on the line he did either his love does what his heart says it's going to do or he's a liar I'm not calling daddy a liar are you I'm more willing to believe that his his love accomplishes what what he sets it out to accomplish than it doesn't. His promises are yes and amen, and his love not only is on the line, but his love came to redeem that rebel heart and to set us free from the law. And that furious love makes when he said it says it made waste to sin. That includes the darkness of our thoughts it includes the sickness and disease because there is no light in sickness and disease. It's darkness. And His love overtakes it and destroys it. His love overtakes the the mental torment of any given moment. But part of it is us being willing to just consciously go, Dad, I agree with you. Your love overwhelms the exact moment I'm in right now. See, we don't have to wait for him to move because it's already constantly, he's constantly there and constantly stirring our hearts and all that we, do. we just have to get to that place where we go, in this moment, right now, God you, I trust I don't care what it looks like, I don't care where the winds are blowing, I don't care if the hurricane is hitting the shore of my life, in this moment, dad you're my strength you're my peace, you're my protector, you're my healer, and that's confession. And we're not confessing something that doesn't exist as if it were existing, we're confessing truth. And there was a line in in one of the songs, I think it was the third song, that he can reach the depths of me. So the question is, where do we turn our attention when the storms come? If we put our attention on the storms, we amplify the storm. And I'm not saying deny the storm, but I'm saying don't dwell on the storm. So do we deny sickness and disease? No, but we don't dwell on it. We go, Dad, you're bigger than this and your love is on the line. And it's a furious love, and it consumes the darkness. See, we've been taught that the darkness consumes us, but no, His love consumes the darkness. And that's a good, I mean, even just me saying that, you know, it's the old Pentecostal glory bumps trigger. (laughs) I feel that quickening when I talk like that. Words are important because they're containers of life or they're containers of death. And every time we speak a word that is in agreement with him, we're releasing the container of life. Wow, that's not even where I was starting to go tonight, but that's where we're going at the moment. So what did you guys sense? I'm going to, before I go on to the next part of what I want to talk about, because we're going to do some more worship before this is over. What did you guys get out of that? I mean, we already told me some of the things you sensed, but what did that do inside of you? Release. Okay? Can you be more specific. Release the freedom, release the, freedom. Release the, the peace. The peace. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, what was bigger? The release and the sense of release or the natural? Sense. The sense of release. Well, you're all just way too quiet.
1: Well, I'm thinking like uh, 45 minutes ago or whatever. When I was finishing the setup,
0: I changed that so it all worked always. I know. I knew it. You were gonna. It was gonna come out the way I wanted it to. I didn't tweak it at all. You know, you and God, man. Well, I know you're just chomping at the bit. I can tell. Come up here and talk so everybody can hear you. (laughs) At least get close enough to the mic so it can pick it up
1: a worship set. It, it, I've been having a lot of pain lately in my hips, both sides, so much so that I can't sleep at night, and it's just, it's been really bad. And I've been um, believing the truth that, that I, I don't deny the fact that it's been there, but the truth is that he's my Jehovah Rapha. Yeah. He's my healer. Okay, so I've been going to that place where I've just been calling on Him. In one of our songs tonight, it was uh, said something about "On the solid rock I stand," mm-hmm. and He said to me, "He don't. He said you don't stand on the rock. I am the rock, and I am inside of you." <laughs> and He gave me this picture. Do you know? Remember the little toy soldiers that kids get and. Their little feet are planted on this little plastic thing that makes them stand up. And he said, that's me inside of you. I am inside of you like that so that your legs are really mine. Mm. My legs are yours. And then the song Mm. said, I've got true love instead of pain. His steadfastness, his rock inside of you is the true love that takes away the pain because he lives in us it's not coming from out there it's not something that we have to work up he's there and once we can grasp the, the knowledge and the, and the wherewithal that he's really mm. inside of us then we have a whole new dimension that we can go into to really understand his love and his healing powers And then I've got true love instead of pain, and then from the pain the arrow says I'm free Mm -hmm. because the pain's gone, and there's freedom in him. And all of that equals joy. Mm -hmm. I said to John sometime today, I said, you know, two days ago I was just filled with so much joy. I mean, I was just, I just couldn't get in. I just couldn't let it out enough, and he he gets it (laughs) for me. And... But the last couple days, the pain has been quite bad. And I said to him today, I just want to live every day like I did two days ago with that kind of joy. And I believe that the Spirit of God has spoken to me tonight, and hopefully to you as I give you this, that think of that little toy soldier. Think of that little toy Jesus. And he's way down deep inside of you, planted on that little rock. You don't stand on the little rock. He is the rock. And He's the rock that heals and His true love takes away the pain. Mm. Sets us free. Amen. it's good. Amen. Thank you. Amen.
0: When we started these Friday nights, uh, that was my my whole approach is if we can grasp the depth of His love, healing flows. You know, And, you know, I believe that so strongly that my role is to coax you in a sense to go deeper into his love I mean I can stand up here and call out pain I can stand up here and release this and release that but is it going to stay when you have a revelation of his love you can't lose it And I'm not adverse to laying hands on people and declaring that the love consumes the darkness. I'm not adverse to that. But I would love to see you get the revelation first and then I come into agreement with you. And I will tell you, seven weeks ago, I had such pain in my hip. And Carol can tell you, I I, I don't usually talk a lot about pain, but I was hurting. And I sat here in a worship set and in 20 minutes, He took the pain as I focused on him and it has not come back. But where was my focus? It wasn't on the pain. It was on him. And when I stood up after that 20 minutes, it was like, it's gone. Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody declared it. Nobody had a word of knowledge to call it out. And I'm not discounting those things. Those things are real. But in that moment, in my oneness with Him, His love overwhelmed my body, and that's what He wants us to live in. Linda's right; He wants us to live in that all the time. But that requires us to retrain our thinking. To be, you know, I'm. For those of you who've hung around for a while, you know, I'm always talking about being conscious. And conscien- consciously focused because it's in our conscious awareness of Him, not our subconscious awareness, that we experience the reality of now. And we can come into that now. Oh, so, so, say that again? Which part? It's in our conscious awareness of Him in the now okay. that the manifestation comes. Because if I'm in my subconscious mode, I'm not really aware of Him. If I'm living out of the subconscious, I'm more often than not living out of the pain of my past. Whether it means suppressing that pain, or that song talked about my defenses. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so as I consciously focus on Him, I consciously think about what He's done, I'm actively participating with Him in the now. Did that help? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. And it's a process of training. That's why we—that's why we go over stuff and go over stuff and go over stuff. How do we get it to the consciousness? We stay focused on it. And that's why I believe that the Lone Ranger in the body of Christ is—is is destined for trouble because they can't. They don't, they don't participate in people who are so, constantly stirring them into the moment of now. You come here, you're going to get a stirring in the moment of now, whether it be a Thursday night, a Friday night, or a Sunday, or whenever. You're going to get an experience in the now. I truly believe that God meets us in the moment. And so my job is to stir you to the moment, to the awareness. And that's why we start with some worship and let God begin to stir and then we stop and we talk about this. Is this making any sense? It's not what we were taught. We're taught to just suck it up and bear it at your cross to bear and you'll be okay someday when you get to the sweet by and by it'll all be gone. <laughs> Yeah, it's for His glory. Mm. You see, Jesus isn't afraid of our brokenness. What did He do when He walked the earth? He stepped into the brokenness of the people around Him. Peter!
1: Peter, get out of the boat! <laughs>
0: He's not afraid of our brokenness. That means He's in the now of our brokenness. We shouldn't be afraid of our brokenness, but we should see it as a moment of experiencing Him, an opportunity for that awareness to rise up. Brokenness comes and goes. Sometimes there's a residual effect. Sometimes we fall and roll down the hill. Sometimes we do it on purpose. Have you ever a kid ever rolled down the hill on purpose? Yeah, as an adult too. Sometimes there's rocks when we're rolling down the hill. Greg was taking a tree down the other day and he put it in the neighbor's yard. So he had to crawl he had to climb the fence to get to the tree to clean it up. And as he's climbing the fence, his elbow slipped and he bruised his rib. That hurts. That hurts. But it goes away. The harder ones are the are the pains of the past. But Jesus brings them into the now and says, my love trumps the past. And then that first song about you know, the rebel in us, the rebel wants to protect our heart from the past and that pain. But Jesus says, surrender to me. Because in the, in the spirit, he's already overcome it. It's in our mind do we choose to agree with that or not? And when we begin to agree, it accelerates. I want to go to First John chapter 1 a minute. I'm going to do this out of the mirror. I feel a season of going back deeper into the mirror. So if you don't have a mirror Bible and you want the newest edition, we're going to get some prices. But... We're going we're to order some, but we'll get a price check, and then if you want one, we, can, we I think we can get a discount if we order. Mm-hmm. Linda said. We're, we would like one for sure. Okay. <laughs> like more than one, but okay. But let's we'll get a price check and let you know for sure. Yeah. See, our history shapes our perspective, right? Yeah. You know, the old psychological theory that the best The best predictor of future performance is what's happened to you in the past. That shapes your perspective. Jesus, though, invades our our perspective, is what dictates our perception in the moment. But Jesus invades our perception and goes, what you think in the moment is not true. Let me tell you what's true. I'm true. And I'm enthralled with you to the point that you're just mine. And I love you. And so as he begins to speak truth into our perception, it changes our belief. And as our belief changes, it changes our experience. What a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Jesus changes our heart by changing our perception, which modifies our perspective. Perception changes, belief changes, we then have a different experience, which then becomes the new reality, which then becomes the place of perspective. And what's the new reality? He's God. And he never leaves us or forsakes us. He's our strength. He's the rock within us. Those are all realities that change our perceptions, our perspectives, and then that, and he keeps doing it. This is an endless repeat cycle. He's constantly challenging us. Norman. A fancy way of rendering your mind. Yes. It is a fancy way of talking about renewing the mind. But in 1 John chapter 1, looking out of the mirror Bible, the Logos is the source, the Logos being Jesus. Everything commences in Him. You can't even take a breath without Him. Every breath commences in Him. And the initial reports concerning Him that have reached our ears in which we indeed bore witness to with our eyes to the point that we became irresistibly attracted, now captivates our gaze. This is the Apostle John, and he's of all the apostles, um, and all the early church fathers, he had the deepest sense of the heart of God, the Father heart of God, and the love. And what does he say? This per, this understanding that this perspective, this perception he had of God, became irresistibly attracted in his life in other words he was so attracted to it that it captivated his gaze everything he saw was through that lens the lens of the father's love the lens of the father's heart and the lens that jesus is the perfect manifestation and representation of the father if we can captivate be captivated like that where everything we see Everyone we look at, we see Jesus in, it changes us. I met with someone today, 28-year-old, clearly has some things going on in life, and I said, have you considered going to a counselor? And the response was, no, because there's a stigma attached to that. Now Jesus is the counselor, and that was going to be part of the next discussion, but when she's when she said that, it was like, yeah, we need to talk about perception. <laughs> and so I went I went to perspective and perception and I taught without getting spiritual, <laughs> I taught to the point where she relaxed and is now pondering the concept of maybe she could use some help to sort out some issues in her life. I plant a seed. He then decides when to harvest the seed. Right? All right, so, John, captivated, irresistibly attracted. And I made a note there. Have we become irresistibly attracted to Christ and His grace? I'm going to just leave that as one of those pregnant pauses, and we'll move on. The same life that was face-to-face with the Father from the beginning has now dawned on us. The infinite life of the Father became visible before our eyes in a human person. John had the privilege of seeing Jesus face-to-face in the natural. Do you have the privilege of seeing Jesus face-to-face today in the Spirit? Absolutely. And you may even have the experience of face-to-face in the natural, because you know he shows up from time to time and displays himself. And if you really want an experience, just look around the room and look in someone else's eyes and you'll see Jesus. Remember you you know, you remember how many times I've, lately I've said I, how I know God is good because I look and I see you. I am privileged to know you. It tells me how good God is. And there was a day in my life when I would not have wanted to stand here. I would have wanted to hide in the corner. You couldn't have used a stick of dynamite or a bulldozer to get me to stand up here. But see how God has He's so goodness, He's changed my perception and He's changed my perspective and He's changed my beliefs about all of this. In the book of John, chapter one, verse 14, he says, suddenly the invisible eternal word takes on visible form. See, Jesus is the God of suddenlies, the incarnation in him. And now confirmed in us, the most articulate, tangible display of God's eternal thought finds expression in human life, say me. That wasn't rhetorical. God's eternal thoughts find expression in you. He's always thinking about you. And he's always expressing his thoughts about you to you. Only grace communicates truth in complete context. As Don was talking last night, grace is the highway to the revelation of things. This is verse 3 from 1 John 1. We include you in this conversation. You are the immediate audience of the logic of God. What's an audience? crowd of people focusing on one thing could be one person you're god's audience he's focusing on you and you're focusing on him an audience is something generally where something is being displayed or released to you go to the audience that sits in a tv show is watching a performance right the audience sitting at a a concert is listening to a performance you're his audience. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you want to see? What do you expect to see? What do you expect to hear? Do you expect to hear, you're an awesome child, I love you so much. Or do you expect to hear, you know, if you don't change your ways, the lightning bolt's coming. Because there's not much middle room in her. <laughs> Which one do you want to hear? Do you want to hear that loving God just speaking in a gentle kindness that woos your heart and just tenderizes you, massages you? Or do you want to hear, hey, bucko, I've had enough of this. When are you going to get with my program? If you want to hear that God, He'll talk to you like that for about 10 seconds until He shows you how stupid it is to be thinking like that. And then He'll go, now let me show you my better. He can talk like that. But not long, because his heart of love can't can't stay there. He'll do it long enough to catch your attention. The church literally likes to talk like that. Not this church, but a lot of churches. Verse four, what we eat what we enjoy equally belongs to you. I am writing this for your reference so that you so that joy may be yours in its most complete measure. John was full of joy. And he says, it's yours too. Verse 5, My conversation with you flows from the same source which illuminates the fellowship of union with the Father and Son. This then is the essence of the message. God is radiant light and in him there exists not even a trace of obscurity or darkness at all. So when I'm in the midst of a troubling moment and I can just go, God, you're full of light. Yeah. Shine your light on this moment. Yeah. Hmm? Cool. Is radiant light. Yes. Yes, in Habakkuk, it talks about his radiance flowing from his hands. Habakkuk talks about that. His radiance is so brilliant, it flows from his hands and his hands are always open towards us. They're never closed. His radiance is always on display in us man is not the product of his mother's womb man begins in god see we look at our existence linearly and say our existence starts with conception and birth and god goes no it starts in my heart in eternity verse six this is the real deal to live a life of pretense is such a waste of time The truth has no competition. Truth inspires the poetry of friendship in total contrast to a fake performance-based fellowship. Light is not threatened by darkness. Remember I said that God can handle the troubles of our lives. He's not afraid to be in our brokenness. It's because light is not afraid of darkness. So why say something where darkness is your reference? verse 7. We are invited to explore the dimensions of the same light that engulfs God. When we see the light in his light, fellowship ignites. In this light, we understand how the blood of Jesus Christ is the removal of every stain of sin. The success of the cross celebrates our redeemed innocence. How many of you can look at a cross and go, go Jesus, go Jesus, you did it, you did it, or how many of you go, oh, I put him there. It was my sin that killed him. Got news for you, it wasn't your sin that killed him. He chose to go there because he loves you. You did not put him on the cross. Carol. He was to go there from the beginning. Yes. He chose to go there. That should change perception. It's a lot different than the evangelical it is. It's a lot different than what we were taught in an evangelical perspective. I, I'm just... I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs> to claim innocence by our, our own efforts under the law of personal performance is to deceive ourselves and to deliberately ignore the truth. The truth about you does not mean that you now have to go into denial if you have done something wrong. On the contrary, it doesn't. We don't deny when we do something stupid, right? But we can go, God, thank you for that, your, that your grace and your love and your mercy wipes my stupidity out in this moment. I've done many stupid things in my life. I still do stupid things in my life. But I'm not ashamed of the fact that my God is bigger than my stupidity. <laughs> when we communicate what God says about our sins, we discover that he believe what, what he believes concerning our redeemed oneness and innocence. We are cleansed from every distortion we believed about ourselves and our likeness is redeemed. Verse 10, if we judge judge ourselves innocent by the law of our own works, then we make Jesus Christ and what his word and blood communicate within us irrelevant. The Logos is the source. Everything commences in him. His light is what defines our lives. The darkness was pierced and could not comprehend or diminish the light when it was on the outside. But when it's on the inside, the light drives the darkness out. You go into a room that's dark and you turn a light on. What happens to the darkness? Jesus went into your temple and turned a light on. What happened to the darkness? It goes away. It goes away. This is a new day. The authentic light of the life that illuminates everyone before the cross when he was walking was about to illuminate the world. Since the cross, it has done it. His light illuminates all of humanity. Some people just have curtains that need to be ripped open. <laughs> so we become voices of love and grace, and we don't become the impediment to the, to the curtains of their lives being ripped open. How many times have you heard someone say, well, if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with it. That's when we've been taught in the law. But if they now see light and life and love in us, and we don't judge where they're at, but we look at them and say, you know what? You're about to be (laughs) illuminated. What happens? They can't come back and say, well, you're the impediment now. See, if they they can shift shift and say, if that's what it's like, I'm going to stay here. But if all of that is removed and it's just them and God, now what happens? The light takes over the darkness. And it's the same with the sickness and disease and the tough days of our lives. When we just, say it's, when we just keep our focus on Jesus, those things get pushed out by the light.